Answering your questions about matters of the head, heart, and health. This is Gut Feelings with Lo Bosworth. Hello, hello. Welcome to your brand new episode of Gut Feelings, your go-to podcast for advice on matters of the head, heart, and health. I am your host, Lo Bosworth, the founder of women's wellness brand, Love Wellness. You can find us at Walmart in Digestive Health, Target in Natural Beauty and Women's OTC, Ulta in Bath on Amazon, and of course, at lovewellness.com. On this show, we answer your head, heart, and health advice questions like your best friend would. We're all about building an open community here, so if you have a particularly tough or awkward question for us, that's okay. Ask away. As you may know, tough and awkward is what we do best at Love Wellness. So with that, let's dive into your questions and today's guest. All right, on the show today, I'm so excited. We have reality TV star, lifestyle expert, podcast host, and New York Times best-selling author, Hannah Brown, joining us. So Hannah was the star of The Bachelorette, season 15. Then she won season 28 of Dancing with the Stars. She is a New York Times best-selling author, as I mentioned. Her memoir, God Bless This Mess, is incredible. She currently hosts her own podcast called Better Tomorrow, and her upcoming debut novel, Mistakes We Never Made, is available for pre-order. Join me now in welcoming Hannah Brown to Gut Feelings. Okay. Hi, Hannah. It is so amazing to have you on the show. Welcome to Gut Feelings. This is our very first episode. We're so honored. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'm so honored to be here. So thank you so much for having me. We're so, we're just really excited. So I got so many questions for you when we put on Instagram that you were going to be one of our guests on Gut Feelings. So the people are excited. And for new listeners, I guess everybody's a new listener because this is our very first episode. So we answer questions about the head, heart, and health on Gut Feelings. And so our first question, Hannah, is a health question. So on your podcast and social media, obviously you're really open and super candid about your physical and mental health and all the things that you struggle with, like PTSD, depression, sleep disorders, ADHD. I have dealt with so many similar things. When I started Love Wellness, I was in the deepest depression of my life. I literally could not pick myself up off the floor. And it's one of the reasons I started this company. And so honestly, like first, thank you. I feel like so relieved to see other people talking about these type of things openly because I think that having a community makes it easier. It makes you feel like you're not alone with these things. So our first listener question for you is from Nicole. And it's a tough question. So she just found out that she's dealing with PCOS. And as a result, she has some unexpected fertility issues. So she says that it's a really emotional time for her and also a physically challenging and painful time for her as well which is so challenging. You've been really open about your health journey. So she wants to know, how do you manage everything that you deal with so gracefully? How can she make peace with this news? And what actionable suggestions do you have? Oh, that's a tough question. That sucks. Yeah, but I actually found out I had PCOS, gosh, a few years ago. And Mm. at first, the doctor was just like, whatever, everyone has this. Like, it was not a big deal. And so I didn't understand. Really? That was the reaction? It was horrible. It was just Oh, my gosh. Oh, it's not that big of a deal. It's not really affecting all this other stuff. It's just your anxiety or, you know, just really just shrugged it off. Mm -hmm. First, I just want to say to Nicole, like, I am in the same boat with you. 
I'm not the place where I'm thinking about having children, but anytime that I do, I think about the future. I can get in my head and have some fear. But I think the first thing I did was find a doctor that supported me and supported me with the issues that I'm having right now. So like PCOS is serious and something that you have to know how to manage. There's not a cure for it, but Mm -hmm. there are ways to be able to manage it. And having someone that really just helps you check in on your hormones and what you can do and supports you is so, so important. And look, I have hope. I found a doctor actually in Los Angeles that has made me feel like, yes, there's all these things that we still need to figure out and we're not there yet, but like there's hope for me to still be able to have a baby in the future if that's what I want. Mm -hmm. And just making sure that you have support around you, I think is the most important because it can be really scary when you hear you have PCOS and fertility issues along the way to lose the hope yeah, and to not fight. I guess that's kind of my whole life hope has been like my driver. And so then it allows me not to quit and to seek more answers and what type of supplements I can take, what type of medication can help me with my insulin resistance. I mean, with PCOS, like my weight has always been something I actually really struggled with. Yeah. But because I wasn't overweight, it doesn't always get acknowledged. Mm -hmm. But the rapid way that I can gain weight can be really frustrating as someone who's super active and and that's what I'm dealing with right now and then just how like my hormones will just be like I'll be like an absolute crazy person some of the time and I'm like what is going on so I would say the way that I've been able to handle it is honestly because of the support that I have and that unfortunately I didn't have that the first time that I got diagnosed mm-hmm. I had to continue to go on the journey to find people that would help me so Yeah, it's definitely not been the most graceful journey, but I've allowed myself to continue to pursue help and and health in all this because we all deserve that. I think that oftentimes when you seek help for a physical ailment, something like that, you often get the recommendation that it's probably just stress or anxiety or you need more sleep or whatever. And that was my shared experience, like I said, when I started Love Wellness, I had all of these mental things happening. I was so depressed. I was so anxious. And I also was getting UTIs and yeast infections. (laughs) And it took 18 months for a doctor to finally point me in the right direction after so many doctor's appointments. And I don't think purposeful gaslighting, right? But I was throwing a lot of curveballs and went down a lot of paths that I didn't really have to go down. And so I think that you are absolutely right. Having hope and continuing to seek guidance and help from experts that can, I think, emotionally support you through a challenging physical journey is really, really important. And same for me on the fertility stuff. I have done two rounds of egg freezing. And when I first was considering doing it, it's because I was 34, 35. It just, you know, and I was single. I'd just gotten out of a relationship at the time. And so I thought, okay, this is probably the right thing to do now. And after the first round of testing, I went to one of those startup fertility places the first time, which was a major mistake. I can wholeheartedly say, do not go to a startup fertility center. Their goal is to get you in the door to do the surgery, to do it as soon as they possibly can. And the way that the news was initially delivered to me that my numbers were not looking great was by telephone, and it was very dramatic. 
And it honestly broke me. Basically, this doctor that I had spent 10 minutes with, you know, 10 days before, was like, so, you know, your numbers are looking really, really bad. And we think that this needs to happen for you immediately. And I sought out a second opinion, thank goodness, and went to a very well-established practice here in New York City. I went to CCRM. I see Dr. Talabian. She's incredible. And the experience was so night and day different when I continued to seek out the help that I actually needed. And I went to this other doctor, Dr. Talabian, and she said, these numbers that, you know, they were communicated to you in a really negative, fear-inducing way. And I'm looking at your numbers and looking at your age, and I think that there's a lot that we can do here. And I'm here to support you through this process. And we ended up having two great results because Mm -hmm. of the type of care that I received. And so I think for Nicole, who's just going through this similar stuff, find a practitioner that meets you where you're at and takes care of the emotional side of this just as much as the physical side of this, right? Because I think anything regarding fertility, our bodies having babies, it's really emotional and really challenging, especially if you are single or if you're in a relationship that's struggling, because I think that adds a whole other layer of discomfort. No, I totally agree. It's definitely has to be like, yes, you need that physical support and you have to find doctors that are going to help you with the care that you need, but that also has to be emotional care as well because, gosh, I never thought, you know, when you're younger, you're not thinking about (laughs) if can win getting pregnant. You're like, I don't want (laughs) ever not to get pregnant. Well, I think it's that, but I think you also, as women were raised with the goal to get married, right? And so everyone's, oh, I'm going to get married and I'm probably going to have a family at some point. It's sort of programmed into us in terms of what we have to do, right? And Mm -hmm. you know, when you're young, you're like, oh, I'm going out. I don't want to have a baby, but you think someday, and I'm sure it's almost a guarantee it's going to happen the traditional in quotes way, right? And I have found that that is very often just not the case. Yes. No. It's not. <laughs> it's not. I mean, I hope I hope we figure it out, but I'm sure that you will. I'm also I think I'm just like I just have seen a lot of my friends really struggle recently and yeah. I think it just continues needs to be a topic that we that we continue to discuss openly cuz it can feel like there could be a lot of shame attached to it, which I don't really understand why. It doesn't make sense why, but I think it's because it's just so emotional. Yeah, and probably because we think it's our duty that this is like what's supposed to happen. Yeah. I mean, there's shame around me even, I think, sometimes being like, I, I don't know how I feel about kids just yet. I think eventually I'm going to want them, but I'm not right now. I don't think that would fulfill me at this time in my life. Even just saying that can feel weird, but especially when it's, your body is just not working with you when yeah. you're trying to make it happen. And then there's the pressure from everyone else. I mean, I just, I really think we just have to continue to support women, need to continue to support women in the struggles that it seems like are happening more and more frequently. Or maybe now it's just, we're finally talking about it a little bit more. And we need to continue to do that. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. All right, before we get to our next advice question, I want to take a minute to tell you about one of Love Wellness's absolute best-selling products for vaginal health. It's Good Girl Probiotics. We launched this game-changing probiotic back in 2016 before vaginal probiotics were even a thing, which really speaks to our scientific expertise and innovation capabilities here at Love Wellness. This product has over 7,000 five-star reviews on lovewellness.com, and you can really count on our community 
community to trust that this probiotic supports balanced vaginal pH, maintains healthy levels of vaginal yeast and bacteria, and supports urinary tract health. This is a product that you take every day in your vaginal health routine for ongoing wellness, and you can save 25% on Good Girl Probiotics right now when you subscribe on lovewellness.com. Okay, so let's move on to our head question, and let's discuss not only your memoir, which became a New York Times bestseller. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> now you're a novelist, babe. <laughs> I love this. So your, yes. your debut novel is available for pre-order now. I love this pivot. What's the title of the book? The title is Mistakes We've Never Made. Mistakes We've Never Made. Love that. So our question is from Amanda. She is a fiction writer, but she hasn't been published yet. So what advice do you have for someone who is in her shoes? She has a whole body of work. Are there specific next steps she can take to help her push her projects forward? Does she need an agent or should she self-publish and promote on TikTok like she's seen other people doing? Obviously, with your background, Hannah, you have an agent, a publisher, all the things, right? So if you're if you don't have all those things, what should she do? Gosh, that's where I, I definitely know that I have privilege from the experience that I've had and the support that I have around me because I do have kind of all those things built in. And I always am very cognizant and thankful for that, that I, even though there's hard work that makes it happen, I have had a few steps ahead of making sure that I have the support around me. I think that there's a few different ways she could go about it. I do think having an agent is really helpful. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be able to do like half anything that I do <laughs> without having people support me in that. But then there also has been, like she said, like I'm always on book talk. You can see people be able to promote their book and get it out there on their own. And mm -hmm. when you self-publish, if it does well, you reap the benefits of it being your own and not having so many cuts. But I think if you're starting new you have to build your platform, I feel like, if you're going to do it, like, self-published, yeah. of continuing to put yourself out there before the book's actually out on shelves and, like, ready to order so that you can continue to build that credibility. Mm -hmm. But I can't say that I'm, like, the best to give advice on that because of the privilege that I did have of having people really support and lift me up in this where I know that that's not the case for a lot of authors who have a lot of work already. For me, I had support from another writer to help make this actually come into fruition. Mm -hmm. like, I love to write. I love doing that for myself personally. But as far as creating a whole story that other people would enjoy, I needed help. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that, right? <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. We all need framework and guidance, right? Nobody's yes. like birthed knowing how to write a book. <laughs> exactly. And I mean, if I was going to write this book on my own, we would have not seen it for about four or five more years <laughs> just with everything going on. So <laughs> I think helping other creators and being collaborative with other writers is also like another solution of getting yourself out there. Mm, that's a great idea. Yeah. And it was so fun. And it's like, of course, I'm the one that it is my book, but there was such a collaborative experience with the other, it was all women helping and 
I'm just really thankful for that. Finding different ways to maybe collaborate with other writers and starting out is another solution for being able to just get your start and get out there. Let's brainstorm on that idea for a minute because I think if you're a great writer, it doesn't mean that you can like hop on TikTok and be a TikTok expert all of a sudden, right? It requires many skill sets to like yes, create amazing video content that's super compelling and write a book and publish, right? And nobody is good at everything. <laughs> that's why I think for so many authors, having an agent and a team is really helpful, right? Because you have your area of expertise and you do that thing and you try to have other people that support you. And so I think One of the main takeaways is that I don't think any author, it's like a solo mission from start to finish. You know what I mean? And I really- There's always an editor. There's always a team. Yeah. So it's really important to recognize that, especially if you don't have an agent, you don't have this team. And I don't think that they're necessarily needed out of the gate because I do think that self-publishing has gotten way more accessible. Social media has changed the game for a lot of people, but you may need help with those pieces of the puzzle, Mm -hmm. right? So if you're, Amanda, you're this incredible writer, you have all of these stories you want to share. Are you good at social media? If not, do you have a friend that's great at social media that can help you build a plan? You need to calendarize this stuff. You need to have a content approach. There's this one girl on TikTok. I'm not going to be able to think of her off the top of my head, but she talks about fairies and fae and all this stuff all the time. And she has her master's degree in it. I can't, I can't remember the name of it. But I'm sure people listening will know. She's like blonde. She's so cool. And she has started to self-publish and write her own novels. And she has this huge following because she just talks about her area of expertise and creates really compelling content. And she's had a lot of success self-publishing because she's able to connect all the dots, right? But it's hard to do. And so I think the advice is understand that publishing requires a lot of skill sets and identify what those skill sets are and don't be afraid to get help. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, everything that I've done, I couldn't have not done alone. Any of the success that I've had, there has been people lifting me up along the way. And I think to your point, I think if the self-publishing route is how you want to go, I think you have to be really honest with where your strengths are and where your weaknesses are and how you can add people in, whether that's friends or see if you have in your budget to pay somebody a little bit a month to just help you with that content creation. So I think it's definitely a route. And then, hey, that could even help an agent find you. Correct. Yeah. A hundred percent. So if it's not working out just yet, finding that literary agent and publication, that is a great way to start. But you have to start with the honest conversation first of what you can handle, what your unique abilities are, and then start outsourcing the rest in some way that makes sense for where you're at at this time. Right. Because it really is a business at the end of the day, right? Mm-hmm. And so you have to put your business hat on. <laughs> Think, okay, I'm a writer. And how am I going to view this once my book is done as the business piece of this, right? Publishing it and getting it out into the world. Mm-hmm. So it's about shifting lanes and mindsets when you get to different steps along the way. With this, with the mistakes we never made, it's like, I am a... What is it about? Can you please tell us yeah, what the book's about? Yeah. Yeah. But like, I'm an armchair writer. <laughs> yeah, I will, for sure. I love that. I'm an armchair writer, but there are people that that's all they do. And their skill set is not the same as my skill set. Right. So being able to, like I said, if I wanted this book to come out at any 
anytime while I'm alive. I don't know. <laughs> uh, needing to have some some people to help. So that's the best advice. Mistakes we never made is a rom-com. So think kind of like Emily Henry style, which she's the queen. I've always been an avid reader and I just love how and what I tried to make sure that was infused in mistakes we never ma- made is we read to escape for sure. But I think a lot of times when we read, we when I love a book is when I can kind of like see myself in the character and learn about myself through the things that they're going through that might be like totally different than my experience, but like the feelings and the thoughts mm-hmm. I think we can relate to. And so the book is... I don't want to give too much away, but it has like everything that you would want in a summer read that I think makes it something that I know that people who are fans of rom-com are going to love. It has a group of awesome girlfriends called The Core Four that really that's a love story in itself of how they're able to help each other along making these mistakes, making these big choices and decisions. It's a beach setting. We've got a road trip, enemies to lovers. So like all the things. Enemies to lovers. Yes, (laughs) yes. But it's all centered around one of the core four is getting married. It is the wedding weekend and she goes missing. And so Emma, the main character, Always feels like she's the one that is taking charge. She's definitely that like type A, feels like she has to change and fix everything. And so she takes it upon herself that she has to be the one to find Sybil. And to do that, she has to get help from her enemy. <laughs> I was like her enemy that she's also had these a few times in the past where they almost made it. They almost were together and then some mistake or something happened. So they have definitely this history and tension. Sounds like a situationship. Yes. And so then we go on the journey of them road tripping together, trying to find Sybil and Emma learning more about why she feels like she always has to be in charge and and really, all these characters, especially the core four, all are like a part of myself. Mm, okay. So there is, I also infuse parts of myself into these stories of of how I can sometimes be or have been in my life. And then the men in the stories, you know, also, they're not like after one person, man that I've dated, but it's like definitely from experiences that I've had. So that's like sprinkled in there as well. But I am so proud of this book, truly. Like, I love it. I've read, I've obviously like wrote, read it, edited, done the whole thing. And I'm like, it can be hard for me to say something I've done is really good. Say it. Are you kidding? You should be so proud. (laughs) But like this, I'm like, wow, like I really am proud of all the work that went into this and cannot wait for people to read it and really think people are going to love it. So that's exciting. It is exciting. I'm going to love it. What's the published date? It comes out May 7th, but it's already out for pre-order. So if you're interested, go ahead and you can get it wherever books are sold. And it'll be in in time for your next summer vacation. So this is great. It's still a while away, but I'm excited to continue talking about it and telling more about it. This is also, I don't know if the cover. (gasps) Wait, put it like in the center of frame. Oh, I love it. This is just the mock of it. Did they go to Zion or something? Like what? (laughs) The International Park? They might stop along the way. At the Grand Canyon. I love that. So Congratulations. What a huge achievement. It's really cool. And so I always, 
like I said, always loved to write and read. And I could have never imagined that I'd be on like some reality TV show and I would have all Me these neither, experiences. Me neither, girl. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not like something that you like. I mean, maybe now people do, but then I was not like, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to be the bachelorette. <laughs> but I always did say, I can remember being in the kitchen with my mom being like, you know, one day I really, I want to write a book. I want to write a fiction book. Uh-huh. I didn't know people were going to care about my life and write a book in that type of way. But as far as like creating something and creating this story that also infused my own experience, mm-hmm. I always have wanted to do that. So this is like the first like real dream come true that I've had because it's it's something that I actually could have dreamt of. Oh, I love that. So it's exciting. Yeah. That's great. Okay. Well, Love Wellness Community, you're listening. Drive those pre-orders. Yes. That always helps so much. Oh my gosh. It's, <laughs> it's so important. All right. One more question. But before we get to that final question, just a reminder that you can save 25% when you subscribe to our best-selling vaginal probiotic, Good Girl Probiotics, right now at lovewellness.com. Trust me, once you take Good Girl, you will never not want to. (laughs) So a subscription is definitely the way to go. Find it at lovewellness.com. Okay, let's jump into our last question. Matters of the heart. So the big news is that you and your now fiance, Adam, have gotten engaged. Congratulations. Thank you. So exciting. So first off, well, congratulations. Secondly, we know that wedding planning can be really stressful for a newly engaged couple. So our heart question is from our friend, Lauren. Love your name. My name's Lauren too. She says that she got engaged six months ago. And she says that at first her fiance was really excited and engaged in the engagement itself. And it was kind of like a new spark in their relationship, but things have settled down since they've started to plan the wedding. And she says, less dates, more stress. So she wants to know how you keep the romance going through all of the stress of planning and then the big day itself. So it seems like she had this like celebration. Oh my God, we're so excited. We're engaged. And now it's kind of like, okay. Yeah. So Lauren, I totally feel you. I think we have not even started the planning. So we're still just in like the oh, at least this happened. We're dreaming more of what do we actually want? But it already is getting, it's it's stressful. It's a lot of planning, making choices, and spending a lot of money. (laughs) (laughs) And for me, I haven't fully gotten there yet because I'm like, it's a full-time job. Yes, I'll have a wedding planner. That is definitely something that I think is necessary for me. Mm-hmm. But even just finding the wedding planner has been a challenge with everything that I have going on. So I feel like I'm in the place of just trying not to stress myself out anymore with all the other responsibilities that I have. But I do think what we try to do in this season of just we're like that we just have other stresses outside of even adding on the wedding planning is taking that time to even just have honest conversations of, hey, like, we haven't had a date in two weeks. We need to have a date. Mm-hmm. And so we have actually two dates this week. Wow. To make up for last week, just being kind of crazy. I was out of town for two weekends, so we just hadn't had much time together. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the time can't be together, like talking about the wedding or talking about the business stuff that you have on. It's like just really being intentional and having that conversation with your fiance of this is important. I know we have a lot going on, but. I just want to have a silly date night where we go and get ice cream and and walk around and just have intentional conversations. So I think that's the way that we try to do it. But we're also not six months into it like Lauren is. So 
we're just taking it day by day. I'm getting like a tinge of discomfort from this individual that wrote in. Like, yeah. worry is sort of coloring this question. <laughs> and I feel like that's normal. I yeah. also want to say that that's something like I talked pretty open about my engagement. And I think we all think from other people's pictures and experiences that's supposed to be like this, like, only joy is the only feeling that you can have. Right. And that's just not the case. The more and more I've talked about to people, and you think that this day is supposed to be like the most perfect day ever. So there's this stress because it, I mean, I hope it has perfect moments. Yeah. But it might not, I don't know. I'm trying not to put this expectation that it has to be like the best day of my life, but I want it to be, you're putting so much time and effort into this one thing that I think just creates so much stress and fear. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just to acknowledge that it's okay that you are having to an extent some fear around it all. Cause I don't yeah. think you're alone in that. Well yeah, that is never expressed on social media. Hey guys, we got engaged a few months ago and oh my gosh. I'm freaking <laughs> things out. haven't been going great the last week. But we're still yeah. getting married. Which, you know what I mean? Nobody shares that type of feeling information. You know what I mean? You're right. It's like, oh, everything has to be perfect and shiny and perfect. Because perfect, we're perfect. engaged and we're in love. Right. That means that we like, zero problems. Our, we're getting married. So yes. zero problems, obviously. <laughs> I do feel like that engagement period, there is a sense that people are like, oh my gosh, are you just so excited? Are you so in love? Can right. you not wait for the wedding? And it's like, it's actually a really stressful time in their relationship. Yeah. And you're having these you know, people doing marriage counseling are really thinking about, I'm getting married in a, a year or a few months. There will be moments of fear involved because you are making a very big decision. And just because that fear comes up or that anxiety creeps up doesn't mean that you just have to like blow it, be like, F it, I can't do this. See you later. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to Vegas. Anymore. <laughs> if you want to, if you really feel like that, go for it. But I think, I know for me, I've talked to my therapist about this a lot. I'm actually reading a book about my relationship anxiety. Mm-hmm. I'm avoidant instead of my attachment style. It's kind of anxious avoidant, but I can be avoidant. And that is where my mind will go of like, we're not doing great. We're having some conflict. That means it shouldn't be for me. And it's no, in a marriage, you're going to have conflict. You're going to have moments where you don't agree. And that doesn't mean just because there's this friction that it's all going to go to shit. I think. Oh my God. That's uh, sorry. Did I just realize that I'm avoidant? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> what you said? Like, it's going bad. Gotta go. <laughs> that is, no, it is totally me. My, my therapist has to really talk about. She's like, okay, I want you to read. I can tell you the book. This is the book that she wants me to read. <laughs> Wait, I thought it's I had called, an, att- an anxious attachment style. Turns out I have the opposite. It wasn't an anxiety. You'll learn more about it okay. here. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm glad that I'm tuning into today's episode. Sorry, I fully interrupted you. Good. No, go ahead. but you probably are, which I am too. I'm anxious avoidant. But when it comes to like fear in relationships, I think I can be like, oh, I'm making a bad decision. So I should just go the opposite way because something bad is going on. Uh-huh. So I should just be alone. That is like what I'll do. Yeah. And instead of doing that, what's the other option? It's like it really is having intentional conversations with your partner and doing some of the come back to the table. Yeah. Come back and get back in your body. It's like, why did I feel this way? What did that trigger? Right. Why is this like where I go? So I feel like this season can bring up a lot of that. 
And I think we can feel that in the question. Yeah. And I just want to give Lauren that moment of you can take a deep breath and know that you're not crazy. And this doesn't mean that you're making a bad decision because it's gotten really stressful. It's just, I think it's part of it. And people don't talk about it more. We're all Lauren. We're, we are, we are all you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. What's the name of that book again? The book that I'm, the the anxiety book. Yeah. 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 It's the wisdom of anxiety. Okay. And she talks about a lot about specifically relationship anxiety. Okay. I think that because a lot of times we'll ask our questions like, do I love them enough? What is love anyway? Like these questions where, especially like asking enough questions, that's your anxiety because there's not really like answers sometimes to that of what does that mean to love someone enough? What is going to be enough for you, for them? And so then really getting down to the root of why we're asking those types of questions and why we have like worry and intrusive thoughts and that it's actually the anxiety is not a bad thing. It's actually pointing you to it can be an indicator of things that are going on. Yeah, need to be addressed and can point yeah. you to the, point you re, redirect you to the right direction instead of yes. I always think with my anxiety, like if I'm anxious, it's pointing me to where I don't need to be from a decision making perspective, right? Because it like mm-hmm. it always takes you back to where you're comfortable, even if it's chaos. And a lot of people's most comfortable state is their chaos state. Oh, same. <laughs> it's their trauma state, right? And so <laughs> I thrive in chaos. I think. I'm like, this is where I feel good. Yeah. And it's like chaos doesn't necessarily, the definition of that when it comes to this doesn't have to be like wild, crazy. It's just, no. you know, <laughs> your chaos. <laughs> yeah. Like that there is going to be like this friction. Mm-hmm. I think more, I, I think my state, when I say chaos, it means friction of some sort. <laughs> I feel like it has to be there or I have to create it in some way. And learning how to heal that because it's not a fun place to be, but it's the place that I feel not even safe, but just the most normal. And how do I really lean into safety? Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, well, we have two really good book recommendations that came out of today's episode. (laughs) Hannah's book, pre-order it, and The Wisdom of Anxiety. All right, well, Hannah, that's the episode. This was so wonderful. This was so fun. You give great advice. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. I don't know. You know, I'm taking my own advice. I think a lot of the questions I'm, I'm going through similar things. So it's it's kind of just the journey that I'm on and what I've had to learn. And so it's fun to be able to meet people where they're at. Yeah. But I can also say I've got a little bit of wisdom. Maybe I'm like one step ahead. That's the whole thing of advice and wisdom is like, it doesn't have to be somebody that has achieved and got totally. to the other side. It's yeah. just somebody that maybe is like one step ahead or maybe just had one extra session of therapy. (laughs) Yeah. Or just, I don't know. I think it's giving advice is so nuanced, right? Because when you're asked a question, everybody has an opinion, right? Right? Like we're all outsiders looking in at the question. It's like, oh, I have an answer for that. I have an answer for that. But I think on gut feelings, it comes from the heart. Everything comes from a good place. And so hopefully the takeaways are all really positive for everybody. And yeah, we're just so thrilled that you could join us today. So thanks, Anna. No, thank you. Hannah, thank you so much for coming on the show. These were really good questions today and you gave really heartfelt answers. I think everybody really appreciates it. I also want to thank our listeners for tuning in and joining me for this very first episode of Gut Feelings. I hope that you loved it. If you want your advice question answered, DM me, DM Love Wellness, send me an email, gutfeelings at lovewellness.com. That's the email address. 
You can also leave comments on our social posts if you have a question. And if you liked the show, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so that you never miss an episode. I'm Lo Bosworth, and I will see you next time on Gut Feelings. Thank you.